Hi, I'm Dr. Emmanuel Aiko. The early signs of a heart attack can vary. The most common include squeezing across the chest, a feeling of unease, and a sense that something just isn't right. It can be easy to dismiss the early signs of a heart attack as the symptoms don't always feel severe. It's never too early to call 999 and describe your symptoms. Your NHS is here for you. Well, look at this! Here's the guy here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? If you just sit and watch Blade Trinity, it's a D minus. It just doesn't work. But if you know what they went through to get that movie made, yeah. it is an A plus. The fact that that movie exists puts it above Citizen Kane. The fact that they, with all the craziness that went down, we were in Vancouver and Wesley Snipes was going crazy and he wouldn't come out of his trailer and you'd walk by his trailer and this wall of, of pot stench would just be like, whoa, and like kind of push you to the side. And then he would, you, he would only answer to the name Blade. You, you couldn't call him. <laughs> he would only answer to Blade? The Blade, yeah. And uh, after a while, he, he resorted to just give, he would communicate with, with uh, post-its that he would give to the director, and each one he would sign Blade. So, <laughs> and, and also, you know that it's, it's a totally... Um, science fiction-y fantasy film because there's a scene where I play basketball against a tall black guy and totally stuff on him. So it's <laughs> complete science fiction. That's the fiction. most unbelievable thing. That's where you're like, hey, I think vampires could take over. Wait, did, did Patton just stuff on a 6'3 black dude? What? Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I have just found out that someone who, uh, of whom I'm a fan um, has started their own rival podcast. And by started, I mean, they, they've had it for a few years going on, but Producer Dave has just brought it to my attention. So I'm going to let Producer Dave introduce himself and talk about this rival podcast. Hi, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm Producer Dave, and the podcast that he's referring to is one by Brett Goldstein, who, if you're a fan of the show and um, you, you've listened to this many a time, you'll know that he stars in Ted Lasso as a god. Roy Kent. Roy, Roy Kent. Kent. Yeah, he stars as Roy Kent. Now, um, I was training through some podcasts and, just to see what was there, and I found that um, Brett Goldstein had been doing a, broad, um, a podcast since 2018 and it's called Films to be Buried. It's uh, very interesting because uh, the premise behind it is that he loves films 
and um, but he also likes death as well. So he decided to put the two together, together and he called it Films to be Buried With. And he has many different stars coming along to um, discuss this with them. He, base, the, the premise behind it is that he introduces them and then tells them that they're dead and they get to choose how they died and then they talk about the films that they love, to be quite honest, yeah. the ones that they and want to take. I've never, I'd never heard of this podcast before you mentioned it, and then I went in really quickly to go have a look. I say it's a rival podcast. It's the same thing as an ant looking at a, a, a Land Rover and saying, yeah, you're getting in my lane kind of situation. Because <laughs> Films to be Buried with, with Brett Goldstein, it has... Uh, it's four four point eight rating four point eight stars rating on iTunes. He's got from two two thousand reviews. Um, so and he has stars such as and Adam Scott from you you know him from uh, various things such as uh, uh, Parks and Rec uh, and 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 all those American comedies. Andy Osho's on it. Uh, Susan Walkmer. You mentioned uh, Ed Ed Gamble and Andy Cast uh, James Caster on it. Patton Oswald is on it. Barry Jenkins, the guy who directed Moonlight, he's on it. And you mentioned it. Um, that um, well, Ricky Gervais um, is on it, and Will Poulter as well. And the, the episode I listened to, I chose to listen to because there's so many. Uh, was the one with Mark Kermode, uh, who talked at length about um, The Exorcist. As people know, it's one of his. It's his. It's his favorite film of all time. Yes, he went through all the different areas about it as well. He dropped in mentions of other films that he, uh, he liked, including one that Brett had done a long while, a while ago called, I believe, Adult Life Stories. He said he liked it very much. Um, and Brett was quite taken with that because he said that he didn't realize that uh, he um, liked it that much, but he had done his uh, homework and discovered something interesting, which I'll leave you to listen to on the podcast. But there are many, many different stars on this. and. It's going to take a while to catch up with, but I was quite kind of surprised. There was, there was another reason why I was surprised. Um, in Ted Lasso, Roy Kent has this deep, gruff voice, and it's, it's, he's very economical with what he says, but it's a, a gruff way of saying it and a grunt as well. And then when you listen to him on the podcast, you almost don't believe that it's the same person, to be quite honest. It's a, it's a weekly podcast, and that's the thing. You're you're right with regards to his voice intonation, because again, as you said, with you said gruff, right? I call him. I say he's one of my top five grunters on TV. Him, um, Henry Cavill in The Witcher uh, as Geralt, great. They they can convey a a, a wide range of emotions with a single grunt. But as you as you said, it's like you kind of you saw it as not natural with his performance because and that's the thing i've heard him talk in various interviews and so i've seen him in his normal voice uh it's going to be different to actually listen to a podcast because it, it's different with podcasts because you're not looking at the person's face and it's you there's something different that comes across when you when all your senses are pretty much attuned or cut out and all you're focusing on is just the sound of their voice you know what i mean yeah it's like there's some people that if you hear their voice first and then you see them you might say i i would never put that voice to that that face um the most common one bobby Cal is it bobby caldwell the singer of um 
what you gonna do? What you gonna do? And uh, and a lot of people thought he was black, but then he came out and he was a white guy. Uh, same kind of situation where he has a different sounding voice to the character he plays on uh, Ted Lasso. Um, I've never heard of this podcast before until you mentioned it, and I've, I've sort of I've pulled back from listening to podcasts recently, be uh, mainly because of all the other projects that we're working on and so on and so forth so it's kind of taking even my which my number one favorite podcast which is not shoot the breeze unfortunately is uh mark kermode's you know film review with simon mayo i haven't listened to that in months i have a whole bunch binged up but now that you've pointed out brett goldstein's podcast which is films to be buried with with brett goldstein I'm going to jump straight into that. I'm jumping back into podcasts. I'll get that one. And then I'm going to go back to back with the film podcast. And of course, you know, shoot the breeze, watch, you, you know, to make sure that uh, I, I I keep our, our listening numbers up. <laughs> uh, I make that five people per week that I want to listen to the show. Uh, so that's great. So thank you very much, producer Dave, for bringing that, as well as doing your due diligence, your work, actually surveying the competition to see how we can make our show better while I just basically show up and talk nonsense. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. I'm producer Dave. And on our show today, we have, uh, in the spotlight section, we have filmmaker Mark A.C. Brown and his actor Tom Sawyer in the film that they've just done, which is Dead on Vine, which was which racked up a whole bunch of awards at the Smodcastle Film Festival. Kevin Smith gave them some awards. I'm sure it'll pop up at some point in the interview. Uh, we have them on the spotlight section talking about what's happening with the latest screening of that film. Uh, but before we do that, let's jump into film and TV news. <laughs> Film and TV news uh, this week. Last week, I, I mentioned uh, the Secret Invasion trailer, which had dropped, which I hadn't watched. I didn't watch it because I wanted to keep it separate uh, because I don't like watching Marvel trailers. Or what I'll do, my routine is to watch it at least once, way, way uh, before the show comes out so that I forget what's happened. Um, and I have already done that with Secret Invasions. I watched that last year. I know some of the people who pop up. Um, and so I stripped myself away from it because I knew, yes, this is what I'm, I'm going to watch. So uh, that came out last week. This week, um, a new trailer has come out. And this is the first time I'm watching it. It is The Marvels, which is uh, uh, Captain Marvel's return back to the big screen. I believe it is a big screen uh, uh, return, and it is, it is, it's it's going back. And what they've done with this one, just to give you a quick outline, I'm sure you, if you're following it, you already know. If you're not, and you don't want to hear any of this, the plot line, then close your ears for the next 10 seconds, starting now. So what they've done is they've now entangled Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, which is Camilla Khan, the series Miss Marvel on uh, Disney Plus, and uh, Monica Rambeau, who you again, she, Monica Rambeau, who is in WandaVision TV series uh, on Disney Plus as well. They've now brought all three of them together into this one movie. And from the trailer, um, I enjoyed watching the trailer. And I'll be honest, the reason I enjoyed watching the trailer was because of Camilla Khan, Miss Marvel. She is. I, when I watched the TV series Miss Marvel, 
the first reaction I had, literally 10 seconds into the opening episode, was, I know this show isn't aimed at my demographic, so I understand what it's telling me, and so let me settle in with that. And with that attitude, I love the show. I really enjoyed Miss Marvel because it's it, it, it's about this girl who's coming to her own, coming to her own power. She's funny. She's relatable. She is engaging, and she's she's terrific. She's a terrific actress uh, in the role. And in the trailer for the Marvels, she shines as every time she pops up in the trailer. It's like okay, I'm I'm going to enjoy this. You take that character and you drop her in with the serious characters of Monica Rambeau, Nick Fury, um, uh, uh, Captain Marvel. Uh, what's what's, what's uh, Captain Marvel's um, alter ego name or her real name? Um, Karen Danvers, Carol Danvers, that's it. Um, you, you drop her, that bouncing that unbridled energy, you drop it right in the middle of these serious characters and you watch her shine. So I'm looking forward to watching Miss Marvel. I think uh, the Marvels, uh, I, I think it's going to be great. The other trailer I watched that dropped this week is for the prequel TV series. To, I say it's a prequel TV series, but it's not. Uh, it is. It's the prequel to a, for a character who's in the film The Batman, which came out a few years ago. This is the Robert Pattinson uh, The Batman, and not by when I say the Robert Pattinson one, I mean where he plays Bruce Wayne and Batman. And years ago, when we first heard that this was coming out, the Batman was coming out. Um, there was a bet I had with someone who would come on the show, a friend of mine, uh, Michael Maria, where I was adamant that this is going to rock because he's going to be fantastic. Michael Mario said, no, he's not going to be fantastic. He's going to be terrible. And we said, we're going to base it on critical reviews. And in my opinion, the critical reviews were on my side. Robert Patterson crushed it as Bruce Wayne because he came in as more as the, you know, in the it troubled Bruce Wayne. He was, he's a young, most of the Bruce Wayne's that we've seen, he's already kind of fully formed as an adult and he's there he already has the mantle he already has the job he's already doing it he's been doing it for years so he's settled in whereas this bruce robert pattinson brings in bruce wayne and batman as a character who is just he's just started he's just getting his feet wet so he's still rough around the edges he's still brutal he's still going in i thought he done a, did a terrific job anyway just taking that shot so that we can uh, we can move on. The t the uh, trailer for The Penguin has now dropped. Colin Farrell disappears as The Penguin. If you you could watch hours of The Penguin and not be able to see Colin Farrell. I dare you go check it out and say, "Oh yeah, you can see it from this no way at all." Under the prosthetics and the accent and the voice work that Colin Farrell does for The Penguin, he was amazing. So they've now given him a TV series, which is going to pop up on HBO Max, or as they're now calling themselves, Max. Um, I don't know how that's going to come to the UK, most likely Sky Atlantic or some derivation of, uh, of, of a channel. And the trailer, it, the, the feel, it's still sticking in with the same kind of tone as the Batman. So just imagine something like, I don't even want to, I don't want to say Sopranos, because that is a different style as well. 
But that's kind of the world we're diving into. We're diving into the criminal underworld. Um, not, I, I, I doubt if the Batman will show up because this is showing Oswald Copperpot, Oswald Copperpot's rise from a lowly gangster to become a major player in the world of crime as the Penguin. It's, it looks good. Colin Farrell is always fantastic in everything I've seen him in. I can't think of a single performance that I've seen Colin Farrell play that I've, even in, what was that film that was on Disney Plus that was based off of an Irish author's book? It's a kid's book. Um, oh, where it's supposed to be like a teenage evil villain, like a young evil villain. I, the name escapes me. Um, I can see the film in my head. Judy Dench is in it as an elf and so on and so forth. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'll remember it another time and I'll jump into it in the next episode and I'll say, that's the one I was talking about. That film was terrible. It was horrific. Everybody needs to be ashamed of themselves for being in it. Colin Farrell was in it, um, but he did his role well. <laughs> it was like the only person, that's because he's only in it for like a total of 10 to 15 minutes, but he did his role well. Colin Farrell is amazing. He's one of my favorite actors. Um, and if you want to see him, just be absolutely terrific. Go watch Banshees of Inisherin on Disney+. Plus. He's great in that. Anyway, in this one as well, I think he's going to be fantastic. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And just before we jump into Spotlight, uh, I've, I've, been, I've talked about one Marvel film uh, and I, I've talked about one DC TV series. I'm going to jump into another Marvel MCU film that is in the works, which is Blade. Uh, Producer Dave, do you know anything about MCU's version of Blade? I haven't got a clue about it, but there was um, something I was reading and something that confused me as well about the ending, one of the end credit scenes of The Eternals. Yes. They say that Blade pops up, but you just hear his voice in that. Um, yes. And and it, it was something that was um, troubling me through all the whole of the um, the Eternals film anyway, the part that's played by uh, what's her name's boyfriend who pops in and out, who seems yes. to have taken the news that she is an immortal rather well, yeah. seems to be hiding something himself. And I was looking at that, I was wondering what on earth is going on? And now that Blade's coming out, I'm hoping that's going to be explained a little bit more fully, but obviously you've got some more news, so fire away. Okay, so you, uh, the character played by Kit Harrington, I can't remember his name. Um, the, someone once leveled a criticism against MCU, uh, saying that they hate watching MCU because they put in Easter eggs, which mean they have to go and do homework uh, to find out. And while I I accept that particular sentiment, I don't have a problem with it at all because I enjoy it. I'm all for it. So you're right. Um, I think I think Kit Harrington's character, and you, you're right in the sense that the 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 story the storyline in Eternals doesn't focus on Kit Harrington's character at all. He's just a minor subplot in there. And you're right, he takes the news that she's eternal and uh, an eternal pretty well, you know, knowing about superheroes. But I guess you're talking about a world where there are superheroes and they've been in in the uh, zeitgeist for a, a decade at least. And this is post blip as well. So they so you know. Anybody can turn around and say, hey, I got superpowers. They're like, oh, okay. 
uh, pasta salt kind of situation. Um, <laughs> but he has his own secret, which is obviously going to spin off either in a TV series or his own film. I believe he's the Black Knight, which I don't know much about. I have chosen not to read up on it because I want to go further. But your point, uh, one of the end credit sequences in The Eternals was him picking up or opening up a, a case or wrapping and there's a sword that's there that has some sort of mystical power to it. He's about to pick it up and you hear a voice say something along the lines of, are you sure you're ready for that, Mr. Whatever he says his name is. And everyone's like, who's that voice? Who's that voice? And it's just a line. You don't know who the voice is. And we go and do homework and we find out that that's Mahershala Ali, who is, who's been cast as the MCU's reincarnation of Blade, famously portrayed by Wesley Snipes in the 90s, in a trilogy that could have been amazing had it not been, in my opinion, for Wesley Snipes' ego in Bat uh, the Blade, Blade Trinity. Where if you want, we don't have time right now to talk about that, but we need to do a whole new episode on Blade Trinity because all the stories, the stories alone that come from the making of that film, deserve their own film. It's brilliant. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so they're rebooting it with Mahershala Ali. And the news that has now come out is, you know, again, cast list, right? Mia Goth. She is, if you're just a casual viewer of film and TV, you won't know who she is. Um, but if you are a cinephile, you will definitely recognize the name Mia Goth. Uh, she recently was in a, a, a couple of horror films. Uh, they came back to back. Uh, X... And another, what was the the? It's kind of kind of a prequel to it. Can't remember what it was, but she's been a nymphomaniac and a whole, which is um a what's that guy's name? I, I'm terrible with names, but um he's he's a director that is he's a very controversial director. Um, that recently got banned from Cannes because he said something about the Nazis. But anyway, it doesn't matter. She is a she, she embodies. Um, for lack of a better expression, uh, surreal eeriness, right? Because, and she's great at it. She's fantastic. You can never tell what she's thinking, what her character is thinking. And can, she can switch on a dime from craziness to fragility so well. So she's joined the cast, uh, which includes Del Delroy Lindo. Oh, one of my favorite actors as well. Delroy Lindo, He's he, he was in The Good Wife. He was, he's in, uh, oh, again, it's one of those things where you see the face, you recognize him straight away, and loads of films just pop into my head and they jam, right? But Delroy Lindo, he's in it as well. Mahershala Ali, double Oscar winner. He won an Oscar for The Green Book, uh, and he won an Oscar for Moonlight. I mentioned Moonlight earlier because um, Brett Goldstein interviewed the director. Um, so that film, I'm looking forward to Blade. I'm very much looking forward to Blade. Hearing Mia Goth being added to the cast um, with what she would bring to the cast. Again, loads of good actors have been in terrible movies, but I think I'm not putting any money down at the moment because Mahershala Ali carrying the film, I think he's going to do great, but let's wait to see the end product for this one. Anyway, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. Just before we jump into Spotlight, producer Dave, let me ask you, um, did you were you a fan of the Wesley Snipes Blade series? And are you looking forward to MCU's uh, interpretation of that same character? I very much enjoyed the first two of Wesley Snipes Blade. The last one was a bit of a mess. 
uh, after hearing after hearing the stories <laughs> about the third the last one um i, I can see why uh, i i really 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 enjoyed the first two and it's a pity that the last one came out as it was it, it was a little bit of a pity because it ruined the entire franchise and especially since he has publicly said he'd like to go back to it and uh, i think mcu have kind of wisely gone for someone a bit younger to be quite honest but to answer your question yes i did i, I really very much enjoyed it yeah for, for me in, uh, again because I, I, I mentioned it if not for blade trinity that would have been an amazing trilogy because it just went it went blade with blade the first one was was great was a great movie right yeah in in you know in time there have been things that have kind of made it look a little bit whatever but it doesn't matter it was a great movie on its own the second one Guillermo del Toro stepped in and freaking just rocked that film the introduction of Ron Perlman's character uh, and the introduction of um, Luke Goss oh my goodness Luke Goss first acting role from the you know the boy band boy duo Moss Brock Oh, it's Bros. I always call him Moss Bros because of the suit shirt, suit shirt, <laughs> Bros. Yeah, he comes in, he crushes it as well in that movie. And then all they had to do was just, just do, they just had to do a passable movie for the third film, for the trilogy, and that immediately would have cemented it as one of the greatest trilogies of all time. But no, his ego had to step in. The only really, uh, you know, su survivor, you know, like, plus point in that final movie apart from the stories obviously is ryan reynolds ryan reynolds steps in and just he rescues that entire movie and by rescues i mean he gives him the only good thing that came out of a dumpster fire that's literally how i'd put it but we'll talk about that another time let's jump straight into uh spotlight <laughs> You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we're welcoming back friend of the show. He's been on a number of times for a number of projects that he's been doing. We've talked about this one film in particular a while ago, but that was a long, long time ago. Uh, a lot has happened since then. Uh, we're going to bring him back on and talk more about Dead on the Vine. Please tell us your name and tell us uh, how... Uh, how how, what has changed since the last time we talked to you about Dead on Vine? Um, hi, I'm Mark A.C. Brown and director, writer of Dead on the Vine. Uh, what's happened? I don't know what happened. The last time we spoke, uh, you were just about to go on to the Kevin Smith uh, Festival. So you hadn't gone there yet. You're preparing, you're yeah. getting ready to go. And then obviously we saw all on social media and all that stuff, all the success you were having. And that was the last time we spoke about it. All right, yeah. Um, all right, cool. Yeah, we went there. That was that was a great time. We had our world premiere. Met Kevin Smith. Uh, embarrassed ourselves mildly, but we also won best picture, best actor, and best ensemble for best actor for Tom Sawyer, who hopefully will be joining us at some point. Yeah. So since then, we well, we've been back in post production again because we noticed a few things on the big screen that we had not noticed in uh, the uh, thing. Also, just because there was a couple of little corruptions. So we've been fixing that and adding, you know, when you see things, I think we can do better. So we've, um, we did another pass on the sound and uh, a bit more music and stuff, you know, just uh, fixing a few little things we thought we could before 
our UK premiere, which is going to be in uh, what's the date today? It's about yeah, about three yeah, weeks' time. Twenty fourth of twenty fourth of April. We'll April. talk about that in just a second. It it really it, it really sucks to to have every everything ready. I mean, it's been all the work that you put into it, and you have that deadline that you have to meet because you wanted to get into the festival and everything else, and then you're sitting there with everybody. And you're watching it, and then you, you start to spot. It may not be things that other people would spot, but because you're, it's your project, you'll see a little twerk, and you're like, no, nah, that needs to, that needs to go. So, um, how do you, how did you feel at that point, sitting in the in the audience, watching this on the big screen, and then starting to spot those mistakes? I mean, for the for the most part, ninety five percent were it was brilliant. You know, all all the fundamentals were there, all the bits. Um, that were meant to scare or upset people were there, and and they did so. And the, the funny bits were funny, and the all the other bits were, you know, I, I, overall the film did what we wanted to do. We just thought um, there was places to be polished. So like, there was a few little sound cues that we thought weren't strong enough. Oh, signal is uh, cutting them out just in time for Tom to to jump in. So I'm just going to bring Tom in. Uh, so your your audio kind of cut out there, but, but Tom is now joining us. Uh, we'll use this as an opportunity to introduce him. So please introduce yourself and tell us your role on Dead on the Vine. Hey, I'm Tom Sawyer playing Drayton in the wonderful feature Dead on the Vine award winning. Excellent. Uh, well, what you've just missed is director, writer Mark Brown having said that after watching on the big screen, he felt the character of Drayton could be cut out and left on the cutting room floor. Um, <laughs> we disagree on. with him, <laughs> but um, we, we, let's ask you, uh, Tom, maybe you can tell us, for those people who haven't heard about the film Dead on the Vine, tell us from your perspective, what is the film about and how you came to be part of it? Well, straight in with the easy questions then. <laughs> so, from, it's so typical, an actor can speak from the character's perspective about what the film is actually about, but I'm gonna try and zoom out and, give a sense of what the, the film might leave audiences feeling the film is about. It's um, a beautiful story about a brother's relationship and how they cope with adversity. I would say brothers both have their own neurodiversities and they get themselves in a right pickle, which happens to be both funny and tragic uh, and ultimately heartfelt. How about that? That's very nice. Very good. Very good. You're right. That is an actor's <laughs> perspective. <laughs> Director would be like, yeah, these two guys, they go in, they get, they, they, they meet a whole bunch of people, some shenanigans happen, and, and that's where it happens. That's where it goes from. Yeah. Um, so, so that's great. It, um, Mark was also mentioning how uh, after being uh, premiered at um, Kevin Smith's Film Festival, got tons of awards, got ensemble, uh, best ensemble. Um, now, we've, I've, previously seen uh, Mark Brown's work, uh, especially Guardians, that, you know, mm -hmm. one of my favorite films of, of the last few years. Um, for you, how did you... Is that right? It was missing an important character. I feel like maybe there should have been an addition of one character actor. Uh, uh, you mean in Guardians? <laughs> in Guardians. Um, and that's that's what yeah. I want to ask. I want to ask, what did, you, what did you do to offend Mark so much that he kept you out <laughs> of Guardians uh, and instead hired the bagpiping... Um, you know, they want me to be in every single project that he's done. Why did you get kept out yeah. of that one? And how did you get to meet Mark to work? Well, this is, yeah, to be discussed and decided we are... Um, I actually auditioned for Mark for the play 
which uh, Dead on the Vine was created from and didn't get the part. So I'm still holding a grudge for that and feel like <laughs> the, other, the other guy couldn't make it for the filming. So we haven't had this discussion. So you're going to play the role of a therapist now today and you can mediate our <laughs> conversation. Absolutely. I'm happy, I'm happy to take on that met... role. I'm happy to. So, Mark, we will come to you in a second <laughs> to explain why you felt, uh, you know, Tom wasn't... Um, qualified for the theatre role but obviously you know we'll, but we'll come to you in that, that, that sense so Tom let's go to you so um, how do you feel about the fact that you didn't get the theatre part but you got the film role? Well in retrospect now it was the perfect way round because uh, I the film the fact that it happened in lockdown is a mini miracle. Any film getting made is a miracle but this film in particular over that period of time the, the speediness of Mark's writing with the location that we had, the cast that came together, it's quite something special. And I just heard Mark's um, interview yesterday with another station that we're not going to talk about, but it was uh, quite, it reminded me how much of a miracle it is that we got this made at all. And I'm super proud of everyone. And watching the screening in New Jersey at Kevin Smith's Smod Castle Film Festival, I was just, um, yeah, blown away that they made what we did look so much more, so much more betterer than <laughs> how it felt at the time. Because <laughs> it was chaos, but brilliant chaos. I, and then and you, you're right, because we, we have interviewed Mark about uh, the, the film in the past, talking about how it all came together, shooting it on uh, during lockdown. Uh, you you as, and assembled this cast. You got uh, Kate Robbins, Eddie Arnold, Tom Sawyer, obviously mm. uh, the ever you know ever reliable David Whitney uh, popping in as well. I guess he's going to be he, he'll be popping up in every single project you're doing. Mark, is that is that is is that to be expected? Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he'll turn up in the yeah, background well, somehow. <laughs> he's he's missing from this interview, so that he's dead to you now. So you can cut him out. Right, he's not he, that he reliable. Be here. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know so, he is. Uh, we we talked about this, uh, it, you know, the the plot in the, in the past, but obviously be, there might be people who've missed that episode. So, Mark, I want to come to you. What inspired you, apart from the idea of having the locations, etc., for this particular story? How, what struck in you for this story to be told? I guess um, that goes back to the play um, where. This was like the first play that I'd written in a t in ten years, and and I could only write it because I had this idea of these two brothers who um, were kind of in this sort of codependent relationship in a way, but um, and that codependency was falling apart because of circumstance, and 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 uh, their lives start to unravel, and it was just I found it. Um, I have a lovely brother, and. <laughs> And I love I love writing stuff about about families and brothers and relationships. Um, strangely, because I've had such good relationships with my family that I kind of like writing about terribly fractured and flawed relationships. Um, and um, you know, I've had my own struggles over the years with you know neurodiversity, as you, as it were, or divergency rather. And and um, I was never able to kind of encapsulate that verbatim, or you know from just straight off my own thing. So I always needed like six degrees of separation from my own brain to uh, to do it. And this play allowed me to vent a lot of uh, of what I wanted to talk about, whether it's the kind of abandonment of uh, certain sections of society by 
by the government when it comes to mental health. And um, also like within families where they just ignore certain aspects of their family members um, because they don't want to face up to the fact that these people need help. And uh, I told it in a very, hopefully very funny and very brutal way. And so when the film came around, I just, I'd, I'd love these characters so much. And I thought, um, and I think it helped that I'd already seen Tom and David do these characters. And, and it was very clear from the beginning that Tom was going to play the film role because on stage went with the other guy because on stage and we needed someone that was bigger than Whitney and the guy, Jimmy was good. He was very good, but and we, on stage, we needed the physicality over the heft of Whitney. And, uh, but on, on film, you can play with things so much more and you can manipulate things much more. And I thought it was going to be so much more powerful and interesting to have, you know, a different size dynamic with that. And, um, and I and I, I think I was proved right because you know a little pocket rocket and uh, <laughs> so Tom let, let Tom let me throw to you just, I think it's just Tom let me throw to you do you feel that's a, a valid explanation or it justifies him not picking you in both theatre and film you feel that was a justified answer yeah I do I feel like you're trying to start a fight <laughs> here but we we uh, <laughs> we get along quite well. And I forgive all other um, rejections because I, I'm really proud of this film. It's like there's it's funny, Mark, just talking about the size difference there, because there's a scene quite early in the film where David's character is carrying my character. And it's uh, when you later realize the dynamic between them, that's quite poignant that he's having to shoulder lift him through this uh, vineyard, given what happens later in the film. But, yeah, it is. And I think I, I have a kind of uh, my casting is a little bit uh, unhinged anyway. So the the fact that I am smaller than Whitney in in kind of body type, it, it does work on camera, maybe more so than on stage. So, yeah. And again, a good decision by Mr. Mark. Yes. OK, we'll, so we'll see if this uh, this love fest carries on before <laughs> yeah. the end of the interview. Uh, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Mark e Ako, I'm Marcus Iaco. <laughs> and I'm producer Dave. Um, <laughs> just before we go on, Mark, I was listening to what you were saying before regarding uh, having the screening and seeing it on the big screen for the first time and then deciding that you wanted to redo some bits. Can you just um, just complete that for us? Because it, uh, we got interrupted by Tom sort of like saying, hi, Hello. I'm here. <laughs> I, know, I thought I just disappeared. I can't remember where I was. Um, so basically, yeah, we um, we had what was a very successful screening. All the the reactions were there that we required from the fundamentals of the film. But there was a number of areas that we saw that we could polish and improve. And we had no um, definite deadline on the UK premiere status thing. So we thought we have time and the capabilities from uh, a few of these generous companies that we could iron out a few of these little uh, wrinkles. So, so we added um, and took away, in fact, um, a number of elements of the sound design which really improved that aspect. And the biggest bit, I guess we did, we did some ADR. Uh, we, we weren't happy with the um, the recording quality of a couple of the scenes, uh, particularly there's, there's bits that are by the sea and one of the mics wasn't as um, as hot as we would have liked. So we went and uh, re-recorded those and the improvement is, is quite staggering, actually. I was like, oh my God, this sounds absolutely amazing now and it really hits the... Uh, the ending home a lot more 
And there was a couple of grading issues that was no one's fault. It was like some sort of file corruption where it just added a green a green tinge to a few of the, just like literally a couple of um, short scenes. So we went and fixed those. And while we were there, we've uh, just improved a, a tad on, on some of the other stuff. So it was quite a long a long process because we haven't got a lot of money. So we're working around a lot of people's schedules. Um, but we've just been sent the final file yesterday. And so pretty much it's all done and dusted, the film now. Ready for in it, Mark? Or do, I, do I make the cut? You are still in it. Yeah, you are still in it. We've, in fact, we've um, put more of you in it because uh, one of the problems was the sound um, dropped out at the end of one of your monologue. And we couldn't oh. hear what you were saying. So that was a creative choice of one of the, desi the designers that we didn't agree with. So we've uh, reinstated the volume of your of your end of your speech. So, so when you nice. say a green tinge, you don't mean that you use green screen to bring back the actor who was on theater to replace uh, Tom, uh, just, <laughs> just in case. Uh, it's, <laughs> that would be hilarious. I'm just, I'm just saying, <laughs> just air a copy, just, or send Tom a copy where it's just the other guy doing all the parts. Well, I'm half expecting, all this talk about ADR and dubbing, I'm half expecting my voice to be replaced with Will Ornette. <laughs> all right and then that would yeah if, if it may if it also if it serves the, the film you know it's it that's better right exactly. exactly so tom i want to come back to you uh both you and mark have talked about playing uh the characters being a uh, neurodivergent um what how did that when you saw that in the script and you saw that in the play and then you knew that this was what you needed to go and do how did you approach uh, you know performing as a neurodivergent character <laughs> well some might say including my girlfriend that I'm a neurodivergent actor so it wasn't that difficult but there is something that helped I think my approach to this just because of the times and the arts being in such an unstable place I really did can I swear on you your can it'll be producer Dave's uh, opportunity to work and take the swearing out so feel free to be as liberal with your swearing as okay possible. well you know that they're just gonna go anyway. It's no point in saying it. So. Yeah, but what you're gonna do is you've got to be, you've got to drop it in at various points. So the producer Dave now has to. It's like yeah. a treasure hunt. He loves doing that. That's what he, yeah. it's, his, it's his passion. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. If you say so, I, I'll send it to you to edit. <laughs> you know what I'll do? I'll just let it go. I can do this without Excellent. swearing. It's all good. But my point was over this lockdown period, reading this script. It was like a delicious opportunity to give my artistic um, endeavours one last push because it, it really wasn't that clear based on government advice when we were being asked to retrain as creatives what the world was going to look like post-pandemic. So I had this kind of conscious decision to, and I haven't told Mark this, but with this script there was enough in it the character of Drayton was heightened a little bit um, on edge, unstable. And I said to myself, when we film, I'm going to see how far I can take this before Mark says, whoa, cut, that's, we can't do that. That's too much. That's too out there. Um, and it never happened on set. <laughs> so I kept pushing it to see how, uh, how far we can go until it gets into the kind of pantomime or the ridiculous um, and honestly, looking back at the screening, it, it was a joy. And I'm glad I did that because it was fun to do and I think fun to watch. But I guess we'll leave that up to the audience. Although Best Actor Award at Smodcastle Film Festival, it warrants some craziness from me. 
I am surprised that it took almost 19 minutes for you to have mentioned the best the, the, the award. <laughs> I I commend you on your restraint. I can get it. I, I can go get it. <laughs> yes, Trust please. Me, very close. I commend you in restraint because literally that would have been the first words out of my mouth. Had it been had I been in your position, it was just like, so tell us about the film. It's like, well, this film, Dead on Vine, which I won Best Actor at the Smoke Castle, that would have been my approach. I I I, I um I commend you for that. That's fantastic. So I'm a humble guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We can see that. So Dead on the Vine is current it's it's having another screening at the Unrestricted View Film Festival on the 24th of April, uh 6 p.m. or 6.15 doors. Um so, Mark, let's throw to you. Uh, this is the one screen. I know on um, on Facebook you mentioned that it's sold out. Can people still get tickets or can they be put on waiting lists? Or is there a way they can actually get to see this film? Um, yeah, it's sold out. Um, so we're just, um, obviously, as these things always do, there'll be returns and stuff. And most likely there'll be returns on the night because that's when people really inconveniently just decide not to come. So we don't know what the situation is going to be like yet. Um, there is a waiting list. Um, so yeah, people can ask to be added to it, I guess. Um, we don't know. We don't, we, don't, we don't expect a huge amount of tickets to be available, but you know, maybe five, 10 by the time we get onto the screen, it might, might be. So try a look. <laughs> if you want to come try a look. Um, it's, it's, she's, she's given her critique. Has she seen the film yet? Oh, well, that's my boy. Um, he's just got long hair. <laughs> uh, he hasn't seen the film. And, uh, I just I saw him. And, uh, he, he's not allowed. He uh, he lives with Whitney, so he uh, he he gets enough of of Whitney in real has life. He, has he seen the film yet? <laughs> no, no. Uh, quite a violent adult film, so uh, he won't be seeing it for quite a while. <laughs> Um, they saw Guardians and they were scared <laughs> enough by that one. And that's not even scary. Okay, so after uh, unrestricted view um, um, screening, uh, it, have you have you got plans for any further viewings for people to come watch? Has it, have you got the distribution sorted out for for it to get in cinemas or uh, pay on uh, pay on demand? We are currently um, talking to a number of distributors, and we're waiting until after the screening because some of them are waiting to to that screening to see it for the first time. Um, I'll see it for the first time on the big screen anyway. Um, so we've got, we've got, we've had offers and we've had conversations and we are just, um, probably the beginning of May we'll sign with somebody and then we'll know a bit more then. We've also got a couple more festivals to go, maybe more than that. We don't know, waiting to hear back from a few, but we've definitely got two more in the bag and we've got some screenings sort of waiting in the wings that we, uh, almost certainly doing, but we can't confirm yet until our future distributors give us the go-ahead to do some cinema stuff. Because it's all a bit vague as to whether or not cinema is going to be a concern for anyone in, in the sales thing. And so if, if if they are happy for us to do our own cinema run, then we will. If not, then hey, great, they'll do it. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and so, uh... <laughs> the fact that you get uh, with Guardians as well, I mean, you had the opportunity with Guardians to go straight to uh, to you know, uh, sky box office and so on. I, I, I had the pleasure of uh, watching it. You gave me the opportunity to come down to backyard, uh, backyard um, uh, comedy club. Uh, you saw it at uh, TT Liquor. You saw yeah, it. but you also did another screening 
which was uh, where I, I came to curate. So that was, was that at uh, Backyard? Or I'm sure I was at that at one point. No, it wasn't the Backyard, because we've never done a, I think we did the Backyard. Where was that? I, I can't remember. Uh, yeah. It was a while ago. But I know I saw it numerous times, and I got to see it on, uh, on Skybox Office, and you, you did, uh, it was a good run on there as well. So we know, obviously, this one, yeah. so with, with your material, this is definitely going to be is going to be a hit at, um, going forward as well. Tom, let me throw to you. Um, have you already had conversations mm. with Mark about the future projects or any projects that you're working on as well? Well, again, this previous interview that I heard yesterday, it sounds like there's a few projects coming up, and I haven't heard. Funny that. Let's go. It? Let's go to Mark then. Mark, Mark, <laughs> what what uh, future projects have you got that um, we can get Tom to? to watch other people audition and take the parts. <laughs> well, one thing I've learned about filmmaking is never make any promises and never start any conversations unless you've got the money in the bank. And uh, so we haven't yet. We've got a lot of good irons in the fire and we've got a nice lot of uh, prospects that are coming up, but this is a fragile, fractured little world we live in. And so uh, until we've got some solid ground to stand on then me and laura the producer of dead in the van aren't talking to anybody really yeah we can say that just because tom's listening but when he goes you can tell us <laughs> it'll be fine <laughs> uh, for once it's actually true <laughs> that makes perfect sense you want to be able to get your ducks in a row before you start making promises but that's great um so uh, producer dave is reminding me social media follows uh, social media tags for yourselves, for the movie, so people can follow it to know more about it. Let's start with Dead on the Vine, then we'll go to you guys personally. So if people want to follow online, how can they follow Dead on the Vine? Um, on Instagram, it's Dead on the Vine Movie 2020, for some reason. Um, and on Twitter, I think it's Dead on the Vine M1. And again, that was just one of those Twitter things that I didn't even look at, because I thought we'd got, I thought we'd got the Dead on the Vine 1 at least. They added an M in there for some reason, so now I can't change it. So that's what that is. So yeah, Twitter, Dead on the Vine, M1. Instagram, Dead on the Vine, Movie 2020. Um, and then me personally, it's uh, Mark, AC, Mark ACB Film on Instagram and Mark AC Brown on Twitter. I got told off by um, uh, Elise Quevedo, who is a social media um strategist when she when, when she came on to shoot the breeze and she i got told off because our shoot the breeze handles on different platforms are different so on twitter it's sdb yeah. resonance fm on instagram it's shoot the breeze show and on facebook it's shoot the breeze at resonance 104.4 fm and she, i got an earful so her her recommendation mm. is that you keep it consistent throughout so uh yeah yeah, you brought up one try. Next project <laughs> for, for the next project that Tom's not going to be in, you can keep them all consistent. So, Tom, let's go to you. What are your social media? Uh, cheers! I feel like I've taken the right kicking over this interview. I don't know what's it's happened. You came late. It's my birthday That's what it is. You well. came late. Yes. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll take <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you very much. But again, my social handles are different. I'm on I'm Mr. Tom Sawyer on Insta and uh, Tom Sawyer Actor on the others. But I will ask people, your thousands, millions of listeners to, because I'm writing about my experience shooting Dead on the Vine on a newsletter at tomsawyeractor.co.uk. I'm, I'm sending out little uh, monthly 
blogs, newsletters, and all things acting, which is uh, if you subscribe to that, then you'll get a little bit of me in your inbox. That is each fantastic. Month. Send us the link. We'll put it on the show notes. So when the podcast goes out, it'll be there. You can just scroll down, click on it, and it goes straight to the uh, to the newsletter. That'd be great. Um, Tom, just, Thank you. Yeah, Tom we'll just do. before you go, let's make Mark jealous. What projects are you doing that do not involve him? You know what? I'm super busy with some really cool writers and directors. Uh, you know, can't really talk about it too much, obviously, confidentiality. But uh, yeah, trust me, I my price has gone up from what Mark was paying me for Dead on the Vine, which was nothing, <laughs> by the way. Uh, it, it's tripled. So whatever triple nothing is, is what I'm demanding for my yeah, next I project. Think, I think it's uh, uh, nothing. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah pretty much, pretty much. No, it, I'm actually doing a lot more coaching and teaching these days. My uh, uh, acting days, I'm waiting for a, a project, but um, I'm now at the ripe old age of 43. I'm not as desperate as I once once was to just jump on to any like dodgy fringe theatre shows that Mark might be writing. You, you, you know, <laughs> look, you're an actor. You The acting bug is with you. You could be 65 and Mark will come and say, hey, I've got this two-handed. It's going to be in an alleyway near Soho. And you won't, he won't even tell you what the story is. You're going to be like, can I audition for it? And he's going to go, I'm there. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll do it. Exactly. I, would love, I would love to do a play in a Soho alleyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and trust me, Tom will line up. I'll be behind Tom. I'll be like, yes, can I get a part in it too? Because, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mark A.C. Brown, Tom Sawyer thank you very much for coming on the show to talk about your film Dead on the Vine uh, we'll be posting all the social media tags, all the links all the uh, uh, your newsletter on our podcast uh, if, you, if you're listening to this before the 24th of April, go and see if you can get a ticket for Unrestricted View Film Cinema check out Dead on the Vine and, uh, and let us know what you think about it and it'll be fine. I know it'll be fantastic, I've seen Mark's projects before, I think it'll be great uh, and we'll see how I go from there. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for joining us today. Thanks for having us, as always. So that was our conversation with Mark A.C. Brown and Tom Sawyer. Uh, and I just want to... Uh, I, I, I don't know if I should do it. I don't know if I should I should mention it. I'll just mention it. I've already started doing it. Um, I'll do the Barbara Streisand effect thing where I'll draw attention to something that wasn't really drawn. I want to apologize to Mark A.C. Brown for misgendering his kid uh, where I mentioned that, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's a, it's a, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Uh, I'm, I'm, I hope he doesn't hold any ill will for me doing that. Uh, and I'll message him just to say uh, sorry for doing that. Anyway. Uh, you've been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I want to thank you all very much for taking the time, uh, listen, taking an hour out of your schedule just to pump this noise into your ear. Uh, thank you very much for doing that. It, it makes me feel a little bit better that someone is there listening to my rant. This is my therapy session. You're my free therapist, and uh, I'm going to be lying on your couch for as long as uh you know whatever if you say you don't want it anymore i'll still do it but i'll just be in an empty room doing it to myself and i want to thank resonance fm for taking the uh the good choice of not listening to my ramblings and just basically switching off whenever they hear my voice which is why they still keep us on the air so fantastic keep supporting resonance fm go to their website check out all of their good great shows about arts about music about theater uh, go check them out and donate to them because they're an arts uh, charity. 
uh, organization. They don't get huge funding from anywhere. And so this that they're doing, it, it is costing money and it is, and they don't have that support. So go and support them. Go on resonancefm.com, listen to their shows, donate to their auctions, donate to their charity and keep the good work going. You have been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance uh, 104.4 FM. I have been Marcus E. Ako. I'm still producer Dave. Then thank you very much for listening. And speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.